You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hello and welcome back to the Rebels Podcast. This is our third episode of Season 3 for the episode The Antilles Extraction. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Hey, what's happening, Mike? And I gotta hey. tell you, uh, I'm, I'm ready to feel the need, uh, the need for speed because uh, <laughs> this particular episode... But it reminded me a lot of one of my uh, favorite movies yeah. from the 80s, and uh, we'll get into that later. But uh, um, yeah, great episode. But hey, just before we do that, just real quick, we got just some news. There's some things I want to ask you, Mike, about some stuff um, that we didn't get a chance to talk about the last couple of weeks. Um, first of all, um, Rogue One got a new composer. I wanted to ask you about that because... We lost, I think it was Desplat, I think his name was. Um, yeah. And we got in Michael Giacchino, who's done a lot of stuff for, um, well, I, I was going to say for J.J. Abrams. Now it's, a, it's somebody, obviously somebody different. But uh, Giacchino, what do you think? I mean, no-brainer, I guess, huh, for, for this kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, Giacchino is who I expected to score um, Episode seven. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, John Williams came back and, and, uh, that is exactly what we all hoped would happen. But, but I really thought, you know, that, that John Williams might, might have been done. Um, and if he was, then, then, uh, G. Kino is who, um, he's certainly who I would have hired. So, um, when Rogue One announced, uh, Alexandra, to uh, as the, the uh, composer for Rogue One, I, I I thought it was a little bit weird because I was like, well, I don't know why you wouldn't get Michael Giacchino. He's been working with Disney. Um, he's he's worked on several things. Um, uh, one of my favorite soundtracks of his is the soundtrack to John Carter. Yeah. Um, but he also did Star Trek. I I mean, like he he did the soundtrack to Lost. Um, he's done he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, and he's a very, very accomplished composer. Um, one of the things, one of the other things that I love the most that he's done was um, he did the uh, the the closing credit 
uh, song for Cloverfield, which if you saw the movie Cloverfield, you saw it in theaters and you heard that that awesome sort of monster theme that's at the end. It's a, he's a really really good um, he's a really good not necessarily a mimic, but he like he's really good at understanding mm-hmm. musical motifs and and sort of styles and that sort of thing. So. So I'm uh, I'm I'm excited to hear what he does with Star Wars, um, especially since this Star Wars has a little bit of a different tone. So mm-hmm. for me, yeah, it's like this is this is perfect. It, I don't know who else you would get. Yeah, I know. I'm 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 happy with it too. Uh, I just I, I think it's just crazy that this guy who was doing it before Desplat, he just yeah. decided uh, it doesn't fit into my schedule or whatever. It's like who gives up? A yeah. Star Wars movie, you know what I mean? Like it, that just blew me away more than anything. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't really need to do Star Wars. I'll do something else, or it didn't fit in my schedule. I'm like, dude, I don't care who you are, man. You usually fit this into your schedule. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it is what it is. You know, it's not John Williams, so you know it's it's fine with Giacchino. I, I, I'm happy with that. I, it's I, I I just think it's all it's, it's rather odd that this thing is coming out it's supposed to come out in what. I don't know. We're, we're less than three months away, and he's just got to jump right in there and do it. I, that is, is that, that's just crazy to me to, to think he's going to be able to score this thing that fast. When you think of like Williams, who has what a year at least to do stuff like this, maybe a little less. But uh, I just thought it was kind of odd the the timing of this and and how it all how it all came about. So, but if there's anybody up to the task, it's Giacchino. So I'm uh, I'm not worried about that. Uh, some other stuff going on. Uh, Ashley Eckstein is reading uh, the Star Wars Ahsoka book, Mike, that I think came out today as of our recording. It, it did, absolutely right? did, because I've been listening to it most of the day today. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Any any uh, spoiler-free uh, kind of review so far? Um, well, it opens on a really great prologue um, that, uh, that fills in a, a blank of another character, a certain uh, uh, horned former Sith. Um, mm. So it fills in a couple of blanks for us as to what would have happened to him towards the end of the Clone Wars. Um, uh, I thought that it was going to be covering the content of that uh, of, of the Mandalorian arc that that got cut from the end of of the series that uh, that that they talked about at Star Wars Celebration this year. But in fact, it takes place after Order sixty six. Oh, okay. So. I'm only two, three chapters in right now, not very far at all, but um, but so far so good, and uh, and yeah, it is very, um, it's very focused on, on the post order sixty six stuff. So I don't think that that's spoilery. I think that's just kind of a, a bit of a tease, um, for for the book. But uh, but yeah, uh, voiced by Ashley Eckstein. I'm listening to the audiobook. Um, and uh, and obviously that's exactly who you want. You yeah, know, you remember yeah. when they did Kenobi and, and they did that excerpt. Oh yeah, yeah. They did the excerpt with with uh, James Arnold Taylor mm-hmm. reading the book um, for Obi Wan, and uh, and it was like this small taste, and it was totally unfair because then the rest of the book is read by somebody else. <clears throat> I can't remember who, but I am not a fan of the person who who read the rest of the book and i would have i'm not a fan of their obi-wan mm. i would have much rather had had uh, james arnold taylor yeah. um do kenobi so you know uh, hopefully <laughs> not hopefully but 
maybe we we could get him to go back and redo the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I think it, I think it's great that they get someone like Ashley who played the character obviously to read this because yeah. it it just makes sense and I tell you like I'm sure a lot of people are like this when you read a story like if if I read if I was reading a comic book or or legends material and it had Han or Luke or Leia or whatever in it you kind of read it with that voice in your mind and it it's just fun to read that way so to have her read it like uh through the audiobook is it's it's cool it's a cool thing and yeah. and good for her that she gets to do that so um I'm looking forward to checking that out. So I, I'm not necessarily one to, to read a lot of the stuff and some of the uh, young reader stuff, but being as how Ahsoka is such a huge influence and or a huge um, character now in Clone Wars and then finishing yeah. out here in Rebels, uh, I'm really really kind of interested to see uh, how that plays out. So I'll check that out as well. And you know, and and speaking of books, I man, holy macro, we got a ton of books that are coming out to tie into the Rogue One stuff. And I want to say like 16 to 18 books I got listed here, but I think the obviously the one that I am most excited to read is obviously the Catalyst, the Rogue One novel that's going to set up everything that's going on in Rogue One. That comes out November 15th of this year so by James Lucino, and that's the one that uh, I'm going to read from day one because I want to go into Rogue One with a little bit of knowledge of what's going on before that. So that's one that's on my radar, Mike. And then they got. Uh, they got junior novels. They got a Star Wars story. The ebook's coming out December sixteenth, uh, and then some visual guides and a bunch of other stuff. So, anything on this list that, that kind of hits your eye? Well, yeah, I mean, definitely, like you said, uh, Catalyst is is one. I've already got the audiobook pre-ordered, so I'll I'll definitely check that out on day one. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, I mean, like not actually that much because yeah. um, I'm not much into the into the books into the book side of things it's not really mm-hmm. sort of my area right um but uh but yeah definitely definitely that that catalyst that i'll, I'll be checking that out but what about the art of rogue one <clears throat> uh well i've already got that pre-ordered oh, okay. i, I yeah. get all the art books but um yeah yeah right but that's okay. kind of a different i mean like that's a that's kind of a different collection aspect yeah for me, right but true true so yeah, that's that's. I mean, like I said, ton of, between now and and March, uh, I think, or May of next year, just a ton of stuff coming out as far yeah. as reading. So, if you're into that stuff, man, look out. You got a, a lot of stuff to look forward to. Other than that, man, it's just again, like I said, it's it's just full steam ahead to Rogue One and enjoying um, enjoying Rebels here and some great episodes. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Mike? Before we hit no, it? no, I think that's it. All right, let's get into it. Battles leave scores. I will never let my friends get hurt again. This is Ty SS25. You can call me Wedge. My friends, my friends! <laughs> Everybody ready? Yep. Let's go. Governor Price, these rebels have proven particularly stubborn. I underestimated the commander. To defeat an enemy, you must know them. your destiny. I'm the one in the middle. The Bendu. I must become more powerful. Ezra, turn away before it's too late! The key to destroying the city. Alright, folks. Here we go with Antilles Extraction, a Phoenix Rebel transport ship carrying food supplies to starving civilians on Terralov, 
is escorted by a six uh, A-wing by six A-wing fighters. The convoy is intercepted by an Imperial light cruiser, which uh, deploys several Tie interceptors. The dogfight breaks out, and the Ties wipe out the starfighters. Then they proceeded. Then they proceed to attack the transport ship, despite the pilot contacting the Ties and offering to surrender. So I wanted to stop here, Mike, and just mention something here about about what's going on and what I kind of took out from this beginning here. This, epi this episode opens up with a one-sided space battle uh, with A-wings here, and there's no match for these these Tie interceptors. And I thought to myself, what what is it that that it was such an easy victory. And at first I go, well, maybe it's the ships. And then I looked at it, you know, I was looking up doing some research and I found out that actually the A-wings are about 50, I think they call it kilo, uh, kilometers per hour faster than the TIE interceptors. Mm -hmm. They run about 1350, uh, and, or uh, I think it's 1250 and the A-wings are 1300. So they're slightly faster. So I'm, okay, it's not necessarily they're faster. And then it obviously dawned on me, it's like, hey, these, it's all about the ability uh, of the fighter. I mean, you got these guys that will find out that are that trained in this quote unquote top gun type of academy thing here, and they're going up against this fledgling group of rebels. And, and as far as just pilot ability, there is just no match. And it's not necessarily the the ships or the or the fighters. It, it's just that ability that they have, and you know, and, and of course the. The uh, ties have actually two more uh, laser cannons, so they're going. They're, you're going off with four laser cannons opposed to the two from uh, from the A wing. So there's overmatch there. So that's just kind of one of the things that jumped out at me. And it, and it and it begins this narrative of this episode, Mike, of the defection of the rebels and and why the rebels are defecting because the Empire, Mike, is is doing things that. I guess I want to say that maybe the galaxy obviously doesn't realize they're doing, and they're breaking all of these protocols and 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 art of not art of war, but these rules of war. And I guess the galaxy doesn't know that at this point, point. Uh, and that's another reason that you're going to get this 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 um, uh, not theory, but this tale of why these guys are defecting in this episode. So, uh, anything to add to that, Mike, as far as what's going on in this beginning here? No, I mean uh, definitely, yeah. It 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 sets the tone for um, the the idea that the empire is willing to do whatever it takes. Mm. Um, I think that the the rebellion is definitely much more um, composed yeah. uh, and uh, and obviously much more humanitarian in their efforts, especially at the moment. They're not very militarily focused. Yeah. Um, because they are building power, right? So. Um, that's not really what they're up to at the moment, but, uh, but, but the empire is all about showing, I mean, uh, Tarkin says it in a new hope, right? Uh, uh, fear will keep the local star systems in line. Yeah. And that is how the empire does their thing, you know? So, um, so what, you know, what else do you expect here? Yeah. Right? They're going to, yeah, they're exactly. definitely going to, um, to to do this like by any means necessary, so mm -hmm. so that means no no survivors taking no prisoners and and all that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and 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 they finished off this thing by saying uh, just before they got blown, you know, the, the this rebel ship and the pilots are going, hey, you know, like mm -hmm. I said, they're they're saying stand down, we're unarmed because they're thinking, oh, you know, once you stand down, then 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 game over. 
but that's uh, obviously not what happens with the Empire. Yeah. So uh, interesting. Uh, go ahead, Michael. We'll continue here. Uh, at Chopper Base on the planet Atalon, the the Lothal rebels entered the command center where Harrison Dula informed them that they had lost the entire escort of six A-wings and all crew aboard the transport ship. Commander Jun Sato then replies that he has been working on a so- solution with Fulcrum. Hera explains that Fulcrum is a code name the Rebellion gives to their informants and that there are other Fulcrum agents. Via hologram, Fulcrum informs them that there are Imperial cadets at the Sky Strike Academy who are planning to defect to the Rebellion. Hera then assigns Sabine Wren the mission, uh, sorry, Hera then assigns Sabine Wren the mission and tells her that she has made arrangements to insert her into a squad of new cadets bound for the Academy. Hera explains that Ezra is too well known to the Galactic Empire, while Sabine is the least known among the cell. Kane and Jarrus, Ezra, and Chopper are assigned the mission of dispatching Sabine to the Skystrike Academy, while Hera and Zeb escort the new supply convoy to Terralov. Solution with the help of Fulcrum. Ahsoka? No. Fulcrum's a code name we give to our secret informants. It was Ahsoka's idea. There are other Fulcrum agents. She was among them. I have information that may help you replace your stable of pilots. There are Imperial cadets at the Skystrike Academy who wish to defect to the Rebels. I do not know their names, but they will require some assistance to escape. I suggest you move quickly before the Empire discovers their intentions. Fulcrum out. This is enough to act on. The mission is yours, Sabine. We've arranged to insert you into a squad of new cadets headed for Skystrike. AP-5 will prepare fake credentials. Wait, wait, shouldn't I be the one to go in? I've done this before, remember? Yeah, and I really was an Imperial cadet once. For years, remember? The Empire knows you too well, Ezra. You'll be identified. Sabine is the least recognizable of all of us. I need you and Kanan to shadow her. And Michael, you know what, to me, it's all about that beginning. Here it goes, and I think, obviously, I know we had talked about it, and you called it a while ago, that, uh, and Hera lays it out here, hey, there's more than one fulcrum. And to, to me, it's obvious in that clip that that is uh, Callus relaying that information to him at that point. Uh, any any doubts on that, Mike? No, no, absolutely yeah. not. That that uh, We heard that dialogue in one of the trailers, and... Uh, and and I knew at that point that yeah. uh, that 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 Fulcrum was was Agent Callus. Um, the question becomes now: Will he continue to help? Yeah, the rebellion, right, right. or does he consider the debt paid? So yeah, that's the I think that's the more interesting piece to come out of this. But we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I you know here's the thing too. You know, we find out obviously, like I said, the meaning of Fulcrum, and it was Ahsoka's idea. That they have more than one fulcrum, which is a which is a brilliant plan, and because it fooled all of us, and I'm sure it's fooling the empire as well. So, um, and then of course we've learned, and we've kind of known this, that Sabine uh, was a former Imperial cadet, so she's got a lot of knowledge in that. Perfect person to to lead this mission, and Ezra has a hard time because, as we'll find out again in a little bit, man, he just wants to be involved in everything, and he can't he can't. He, do, he can't just sit by the side. He hates doing that. So um, I'll continue. Sabine travels to the Sky Strike Academy in an Imperial landing craft disguised as a Thai pilot cadet. The droid rejects Sabine's card, leading the Imperial officer to hold Sabine aside for questioning. However, Sabine takes off her helmet and tells the officer to give it another try. She blows on the card and then reinserts it into the droid's processor. The officer is satisfied 
and allows her to proceed. Meanwhile, aboard a Rebel CR-90 Corvette, Ezra, Kanan, and Chopper receive word that Sabine is in. Ezra is unhappy about having to sit out, uh, sit and wait, but Kanan reassures him that she will be fine. Ezra makes it clear that he doesn't like solo missions. At the Skystrike Academy, the Imperial instructor Gorin addresses the cadets and tells them that only the best students will survive the Academy. He informs them of a combat practice simulation at 0600 hours before dismissing them. So, you know, I talked earlier, Mike, about being a, you know, a young, really young teenager in the 80s. And this movie came out called Top Gun. It was huge. And I'm kind of hoping that at some point in some time they'll do a Top Gun too. But this, this is where it really kicks into me as far as the instructor Gorin. Um, I'll get into uh, the other, uh, one of the lead pilots later on. I think his name is Scarif, Scarif or something like that, and where, where I think that's going. But the way he addresses them, it's just, it's just like the movie Top Gun. If you haven't seen it, there's younger uh, people in this, in, that are listening to this. Okay, go check out Top Gun. It's a pretty fun, pretty fun show. And it's just, I can, for me, it holds up. You know, this movie was done back in 86, so it, it holds up still to this day. As a, oh, as yeah. Well, really you know, movie. Uh, Amanda and I, over the summer, we did a Top Gun commentary. Amanda had never seen it. So Amanda's oh, really? my co-host. <laughs> yeah, Amanda's my co-host on, on Quiver. And so we did as a, as a Thunderquack exclusive podcast. So if you are one of our Patreon supporters at $10 or above, <clears throat> you can actually listen to an audio commentary track. Where uh, where Amanda and I talk about Top Gun. That's funny. Good, and there you go. I, I I have to go listen to that now to see what what she thought of it. Uh, but yeah, you know, he calls it the Empire's. I, to me, I call it the Empire. This is the Empire's Top Gun Academy. You know, it's, it's an elite. Oh yeah, for sure. It's an elite group of uh, fighter pilots and cadets that are sent to this academy academy yeah. to hone their skills uh, and do a bunch of simulation stuff like that. So. Definitely good callbacks, and I'd love to talk. Gary Whitta wrote this, who um, obviously is involved with some of the writing of Rogue One. I'd just love to see if that was kind of an inspiration for him, um, which I'm sure it was. I haven't looked at the behind-the-scenes stuff yet, so I don't know if I'm uh, way off there. But gosh, it's a lot of people saw that, so it wasn't only me. And another thing that I thought that was funny too here is Sabine, as she's doing her car thing, she uh, kind of blows on it, like you know, oh that'll do the trick, you know. And it just kind of reminds me of we used to do that with like. You know, CD players and DVDs. You know, you pull it out and blow on it. (laughs) Our cartridges. There you go. The Nintendo. I was trying to think. What else did I used to do that with? Yeah, Yeah. yeah, that was the cure-all, right? The cure-all was just blowing into it. (laughs) Somehow that worked, and it's working here for Sabine. So I thought that was really funny. Um, But uh, other than that, go ahead, Michael. Continue. Sorry, where are we now? We are the following morning. Yeah, the following morning, Sabine, who has the com designation Tie SS36, is on a simulated patrol. She is contacted by her wingman, TIE SS-25, who tells her she can call him Wedge. Sabine identifies herself as Rhea Talia. For the exercise, the TIEs have to intercept and destroy four simulated Y-Wings. After destroying the Y-Wings, Wedge and Sabine are ordered to proceed to new coordinates and destroy a rebel transport. When Sabine protests that Imperial Protocol tells them to board a vessel, Goran repeats his orders to destroy the vessel. When Sabine voices her dissent, Wedge covers for her by claiming that the intercom is faulty. Before they can destroy the Rebel transport, the two pilots hesitate and are destroyed by the VCX-100 light freighter called the Ghost. Scaris uh, uh, exits the third pod 
and reveals that the transport was the ghost. He warns SS-36 and SS-25 that insubordination will get them killed in real combat. Wedge tells Sabine that she is brave in breaking protocol, but she replies that she follows her gut instinct and what she thinks is right. Wedge warns that her that people at the Academy don't share her viewpoint. <clears throat> so, here we go with... Um, and you know what's crazy about this scene is, like, this scene got me. Like, I, I don't know if I blanked on it for a second or turned away or whatever, but for this whole... Um, scenario like i thought this was real i'm like holy what happened you know all of a sudden they're they're going against uh you know y wings i'm like whoa what? so i'm kind of really invested in this i'm going wow she's actually shooting at y wings this is crazy and then it, it cuts to the point where they it's a simulation it just totally fooled me and again i don't know what i was doing i don't know if i looked away for a second i was just lost or whatever but somehow through two it wasn't until the second viewing that I noticed, like, oh, geez, it's a simulation. So they had me going for a minute there. But um, I want to talk about, too, Mike, the Sabine actually calls him out, like, hey, they had won. Um, she goes, hey, this is Imperial Protocol. And then she's interrupted and she's, she's just told, hey, destroy that thing, you know. And she's like, hey, we're breaking protocol. So, um, again, this is where the Empire is feeding these recruits, like, hey, you're not to question us, do what we say. Um, you know, you have no say in this. You know, don't worry about protocol. Don't worry about uh, policies or procedures or anything. Just do what we tell you to do. So it kind yeah, of for sure. surprises her and it obviously surprises West Wedge because, you know, he's he was, we'll find out later, he was just picked up as a really good freighter pilot, I think it was. So yeah. this is all kind of new to him and he's, he's not sure how to act as well. And then I'll just end by saying, the uh, the lead pilot who was piloting the ghost is his he comes out right and his name is Scaris which the guy who played Viper in Top Gun his name was Tom Scarrett so I don't yeah. know if they were trying to like because he had the same mustache and everything so I yeah, thought yeah. it was a pretty cool thing right <laughs> and, and here's the other thing too like I'll end with this what do you think about this here is how much I don't know if you want to say fear, but respect that they have to this Rebels ghost crew because in their simulation, they have a ghost crew that comes in and this Scarus guy is the pilot of it in these simulations. So they give a lot of respect to the ghost and the damage it can do, right? Mm. Sorry, I'm sorry. I was just reading something in the trivia thing. Oh, is it something to do with Top Gun or anything? Or? Uh, I, that's what I'm just checking. I'm just, I'm just trying to, to figure out if, if there is actually a connection. To, uh, to Top Gun. Um, and it looks like... Yeah. No, there's no... But you know what? They're not gonna, going to admit that on the website. So Yeah, I know. Probably not. Probably not. I was just saying before... Yeah. Sorry, that, go ahead. No, no. I was just saying that uh, they do give a lot of respect to the ghost because it's actually oh, in yeah. their simulator. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Well, I yeah, I think the ghost has been causing a lot of problems for... Uh, for the uh, the Imperials yeah, in the last sure. few years. So, um, yeah, it, it makes sense to me that they would be concerned specifically with that. You know, like, it, it, pre-A New Hope, I think that's who they're worried about. I think post-A New Hope, they'll update those simulators and it'll be the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely, um, I, I... That, I... Uh, that that sort of uh, expectation that the ghost is the uh, 
That's yeah. the, that's the 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 like enemy the number Falcon. one. Falcon, yeah. In uh, in in the Empire's eyes at the moment. True, true. <laughs> Uh, later, another Imperial landing craft and two TIE escorts arrive at the Stri- Sky Strike Academy, carrying Governor Price and the Imperial Security Bureau agent Callus. They are greeted by Instructor Gorn, who inquires about their unscheduled visit. Callus informs, um, informs them that the ISB has information that some cadets plan to defect to the rebels. Gorn protests that his cadets are thoroughly well trained and loyal. However, Price insists on going ahead with the investigation. Price warns him to cooperate before telling Callus that she wants him to uh, she wants to teach him something today. So it's just crazy that at this particular scene, Price is given throwing some digs at Callus, like you know, treating him like you know piece of crap or whatever. And, and this look that that um, Callus has as he walks away, he kind of has this this look like, oh, you know, like he just wants to slap her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's just so mad that it's come to this. You know, he's kind of been relegated to like a lap dog or something, you know, like, hey, follow me. I'll show you how to do this thing. He's not allowed like to do anything anymore. So, uh, again, that's just that small little slow burn to him helping out the the rebels on their on their way. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. While walking down the corridor, Sabine catches three cadets arguing about something risky. The cadets are Wedge and his two friends, Hobby and Rake. Later, Sabine meets Wedge in the TIE hangar bay. Wedge is troubled about the recent simulator exercise and tells Sabine that this is not what he signed up for. Sabine confides that shooting on unarmed transports was not what she had signed up for either. Wedge reveals that he was once a cargo pilot. When Wedge expresses his desire to leave, Sabine tells him that uh, she can arrange that and reveals her true identity. <clears throat> Sabine confirms that she is from the Rebellion, and Wedge is relieved that the Rebels got his signal. When Wedge asks her what her escape plan is, Sabine replies that she will make one up. Uh, meanwhile, Callus reports that his investigation has found nothing on the rebellious cadets. Governor Price replies that perhaps it is time for her to make, take a more direct approach. Putting their plan into action, Goran orders the cadets to depart on their ties. So uh, we're introduced to a couple more characters here. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, Hobby and Rake. Hobby. Hobby. <laughs> Hobby is actually uh, in, in uh, The Empire Strikes Back. He's the, yeah. the rebel pilot who questions Princess Leia mm-hmm. when she's giving them their orders to, uh, to accompany the transports and he's the one who says two fighters to a transport fantastic yeah, acting by the way yeah <laughs> <laughs> well so that's one of those many characters that is um performed by because they film so much of it in the uk performed mm-hmm. by a, a a uk actor and then dubbed over by an american voice so <clears throat> that's why that happens that way that's yeah. that's why that that character kind of kind of sounds a little bit off from, yeah. from the video, uh, like sort of from what you're seeing on screen. Um, but yeah, so Hobby, we're sort of meeting officially for the first time and, uh, and conspicuous by his absence in the, uh, in the original trilogy is this character Rake, who I, uh, mm-hmm. it was very clear that Rake wasn't going to make his way, make, make it out of this episode yeah. uh, alive because he was kind of <laughs> yeah. just there. As the uh, as the the red shirt, if you will, to That's use what a, say. Yeah, the to shirt, use yeah. a, a Star Trek analogy, but yeah, he was he was doomed from the get go, which is unfortunate. But uh, 
but sacrifices have to be made. So, um, right. yeah, there's that part, and then uh, and then I really like them building up um, Callus's um, insubordination, basically his uh, mm-hmm. his defection himself, um, so that we see that you know it's not just about paying back Zeb. He has real problems with the Empire and the way that the Empire is doing things. I, I'm I'm of the opinion that in this scene, when he says, like, oh, we haven't found anything yet, he's interfering with the investigation, right? Like, he's right. delaying it and giving them an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then later on, he has, to, he has to get a little bit more hands-on with that. But in this moment, I do believe that this is Callus trying to basically say, like, like or not say, but, like, delay the investigation for sure yeah great point great point yeah that's kind of what i got out of that too and and sabine and just before this you know sabine and wedge are talking about what the empire is or is is what the empire is becoming and that's kind of what i talked about earlier like wedge obviously and, and a lot of these guys that are defecting didn't know they were getting into this thing you know they didn't know they were going to be firing on you know rebel ships that are that are actually yeah. surrendering and stuff like that it's like whoa 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 you know we didn't sign up for this kind of crap so definitely uh turns the tides for them and they want to get out of this thing sure. and it's tough it's tough too in this <clears throat> academy because the empire has a strong hold on these guys and and they're not going to let them go so uh continue in the corridor sabine meets wedge and his friends hobby and rake when Antilles expresses his surprise that the Imperials are letting them go, Sabine says that they have to take their chances. Sabine tells them that there is a rebel ship nearby, but they will have to follow her lead and trust her. Hobby asks whether she trusts the rebels, to which Sabine says yes. Rake rumbles for all of us. Sabine then contacts Ezra and tells him they are ready to escape. The ties fly into space, and Instructor Gorin orders the cadets to break formation and engage in a simulated dogfight. He tells them that their, their laser cannons have been nullified, but that their scores will still register on the chart. At Gorin's signal, the ties engage in a simulated dogfight. The CR-90 Corvette arrives, and Ezra tells Sabine that he will open up the, his tube wing. The rebel ship presence is immediately detected by Price, Callus, and Gorn. And you mentioned Hobby and, and Rake, Mike, and, and like you said, uh, Hobby obviously from the Empire, and actually Luke, I think calls to him at one point, like as far as when their uh, rogue group is uh, mm-hmm. taking on the the Adats, um, he calls to him, and he. Uh, I want, I'm trying to think of what he does. I almost went to watch Empire again just to see what if Hobby actually did anything. I know he called to him, but um, but it's cool to see them bring in like you know we got Wedge now. He's defecting. We we finally get his. Uh, origin story and where he where he came from but and they also talked about on the behind the scenes mike about they thought about bringing in bigs yeah and it just for whatever reason just didn't kind of line up it didn't work for them so i thought that was kind of interesting that they almost brought bigs in. that'd be kind of cool they mentioned you know stuff about how the checkerboard on the helmets and um her shoulder pads were, were the same like maybe they could have met and forge something or you know whatever but whatever reason it didn't work so we didn't see uh we didn't see bigs in there so i, I was fine with that wedge is cool enough so yeah um, i'd rather i'd honestly rather have the storyline of wedge than bigs but um that's yeah. maybe that's just me yeah, <laughs> yeah. and we got and uh, we got uh, ezra and kanan they're just kind of sitting out there waiting for the signal yeah. and yeah. for this thing to uh to jump off so uh let's get into that mike go ahead 
Sure. Uh, at Sabine's signal, the four cadets break off from the main group and fly towards the Corvette. Goran, Callus, and Price detect this, and Price deduces they have their defectors. Price orders the four cadets to return to base, but Sabine re replies that she has to come and get them. However, Price presses a button which disables the TIE's solar collectors, leaving the TIE's floating in space. Price then orders Captain Scaris to destroy one of the pods, killing Rake. Scaris's TIE interceptors then target the Rebel transport, inflicting serious damage on the, sh on the top of the ship. Uh, Sabine tells Ezra to get out, but he replies that he will not leave her. Kanan orders Chopper to get them into hyperspace. Four cadets have broken off from the main group toward the Rebel ship. We have our defectors. Cadets, return to base immediately. This is your only warning. Negative command. You're gonna have to come and get us. Transport. Ezra, abort! Get out of here! No, Sabine, we're coming for you! We can't take another hit like that! We're not leaving her behind! We don't have a choice, Ezra! We can't help her if we're dead! Chopper, get us into hyperspace, now! Man, what a crazy action scene and a great plan by Price. And she's showing why she's so why she's a governor, you know, clever plan and uh, is able to, def you know, it's funny, too. I'm watching this. I'm going, man, that looks exactly like the toy I used to have, the tie toys where they used to spring off the side. And in fact, that was kind of an inspiration for, for Gary Wood. I believe I saw a Twitter of his or somewhere that he talked about that, that he drew that directly from his uh, time playing with uh the old uh, ties that used to yep. you press a button on it. And then one of our Facebook uh, Facebook followers actually mentioned it too, Christopher Baca. He, he, he said yeah. the same thing. He goes, hey, I really like tonight's episode. Love the little nod to the old TIE fighter toy with the ejectable wing. So yeah, that was a sure. really cool callback. So a, a great scene, great action scene, Mike, and a really good plan by a price to uh, kind of t uh, rake, rake in these, uh, no pun intended, these uh, defectors. And we lost Rake too, like you said. Uh, single tear for Rake. Sorry, guys, but uh, he's somebody had to go. Somebody in the red shirt had to go, and it was it was Rake. So, and he knew that was coming too, right? Like he said earlier, he knew that was coming. Like she yeah. goes, take one of them out. Like, oh, geez, there goes yeah, Rake. Yeah, you knew Rake was gonna die. <laughs> so, Wasn't gonna make it. For sure. <laughs> yeah, too bad. Too bad. Um, uh, go ahead, Mike. We'll continue. Back at the uh, the Sky Strike Academy, Sabine, Wedge, and Hobby are brought before Governor Price. Price demands to know who is the rebel agent and proceeds to demonstrate a torture device. The stormtroopers are about to strap Wedge to the torture device when Sabine announces that she is the rebel agent. Satisfied, Price orders Callus to escort Wedge and Hobby to a cell. She intends to interrogate Sabine alone. Sabine says that she won't talk, but, but Price then brings up a glyph of her file. 
Price recognizes her as a runaway Imperial cadet and welcomes her home to the Imperial Academy. Sabine breaks free of her stormtrooper captors and fights with Price, knocking her out by getting her electrocuted with the torture device's stinger. Uh, this was a great scene because uh, uh, we have a bit of a throwdown between these two characters, between Man, Price going at it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Sabine. And Price is very uh, full of herself. And, uh, you know, you know, you can't beat my Imperial training. And then and then uh, Sabine's like, yeah, well, I have Mandalorian training, so <laughs> take this, <laughs> yeah. right? Checkmate. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and knocks her back into the, uh, into the torture device. Um, I, I, I liked that. It was a really cool moment. Um, obviously, you know, I, I, I'm going to allude back to something I meant to mention earlier. When, um, when they're talking about, uh, about Sabine being the least recognizable... Um, I think that that was not just a comment for the episode, but was also sort of like a commentary to us that, you know, like Sabine is kind of the least recognized of the, of the, the cast in, uh, in this, you know, like most of the time she's got that helmet on if anybody ever cares about her. Right. So, right. Right. This episode was kind of their way of getting a little bit more of her backstory and having her take the forefront. And this was one of those great standout moments for her. So. Yeah, for um, sure. I really liked it. Yeah, I mentioned that before. I think it was last episode how, you know, a lot of these characters like her are just like a, a, on the back for me. Um, and it's kind of weird because apparently we're going to get a lot of her story. We got just the beginning of it here about her being in the Imperial Academy, but we're going to supposedly get some more of her uh, story later on. So we'll see how it goes to see uh, how that changes uh, the way I feel about her coming up in, in future episodes. So, uh, back in the cell, Wedge and Hobby debate their escape plan. Before they can argue, Sabine opens uh, the door and reveals that she has knocked out the guards. Sabine, Wedge, and Hobby escape, but are pursued by stormtroopers. They run down a corridor and dodge several blast doors. However, they are intercepted by Callus, who tells them not to shoot. When Sabine asks him to give her a good reason, Callus tells her, that, uh, tells her and the boys... Uh, to avoid levels three through five, and that hangar 24 is their best possibility. When Sabine asks him why they should trust him, Callus responds that he and Garazeb Aurelius are now even. Callus lets them escape down the corridor. Don't shoot. Give me a good reason not to. Avoid levels three through five. Hangar 24 is your best possibility. Why should we trust you? Tell Garazeb Aurelius we're even. Go. So, Mike, this is the question I have. Obviously, you mentioned it earlier. And I think the big question for me right now is, is that how he really feels? I mean, he feels like, okay, my debt's paid. You know, I'm back to being full-on empire. Or... Or is it something else? I don't know. Like, part of me thinks that from just hearing that clip, I'm like, oh, man, he's he's saying, okay, now we're even. I'll let you guys go. You guys help me later on. Now it's back on. I don't. What do you think about that? Um, I think he's playing a little bit coy. I think that this, this moment here um, goes a little bit above and beyond what I, I think he's agreed to do for the Rebellion at this point. Mm-hmm. Um uh, not that he's necessarily got an agreement, but sort of like his own. He's he's kind of, he's sticking his neck out pretty pretty extremely because there's a good chance that he can get caught yeah, in this moment. For sure. So, 
I think for him it's very much like this is this is the most I'm willing to stick my neck out sort of thing. Um, but but I don't I I think that there's more arc for Callus. I think we'll see a little bit more of this story as it moves forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't uh, I don't think this is the last we've seen of this this part of the story. And maybe sure. that's maybe that's a misdirection uh, by the writers to to throw me off because yeah. you know for, for me like I really want to see this slow burn with Callus and I want to see him keep doing this and keep uh, like the Empire on their heels and and helping yeah. out the rebels because I like that storyline I think it's great especially for him I mean they've really done a fantastic job of like I said a long time ago slow playing his turn. Uh, to help and obviously that the, the episode we got with him and and Zeb was the, was the you know the, the the fulcrum if you will you know that pushed him off to that other side yeah. and uh, so I'm really I, I'm really invested in him and what he's going to do so I I hope it's just like a like you said something he said but when he gets down to it he's still gonna he's still gonna help them out later on so we'll see how that how that. Uh, Kind of unfolds this season. Hopefully, um, let yeah, me finish I, this up here. Oh, sorry, sorry, I just I think that his encounter with with Zeb has made him um, a little bit a little bit more conscious of of what's going on yeah. with the the Empire and sort of that he's on the wrong side of things. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'll finish it up and we'll talk sure. about this in here. Sabine and the defectors. Flee in a TIE bomber before the stormtroopers can capture them. The cadets are pursued by Captain Scaris in his TIE interceptor. Wedge flies the TIE bomber, which takes several hits. Sabine can't signal to her friends because she's being jammed. At the 11th hour, Ezra's CR-90 Corvette arrives, and Ezra tells them to head to the docking tube. Scaris' TIE interceptor gives chase, and the pilot dis- uh, disparages the cadets as fools. Once inside the command bridge... Sabine tells Ezra that she thought she told him to leave. Ezra replies that they stuck around just in case. The rebels then flee into hyperspace. Back at Chopper Base, Sabine's, uh, Sabine presents Web, uh, Web, Wedge and Hobby to the other Lothal rebels and Commander Sato. Wedge says that they heard that they were looking for pilots. Sato confirms that this is the case and welcomes them to the rebellion. Commander Sato, allow me to present Lieutenants Wedge Antilles and Hobby, formerly of the Galactic Empire. Commander, we heard you're looking for some good pilots. Indeed we are. Welcome to the Rebellion. Ah, yes. And a nice little bow on the end of this episode, Mike. We get the introduction, like I said, they're back, they're, they're, like Sato says, welcome to the Rebellion. So as we're watching, you know, the Empire and the Return of the Jedi, and we see Wedge, and we all know now where exactly he came from and, and how he came about to, to help the Rebels. So nice little story, man. I had a lot of fun with this one. I give it, um, geez, I give it like a 7.5, jeez, uh, top guns. I don't know what to say. Uh, but, you know what I mean? So, uh, again, this season so far, this quick short season we've had um or the short only what three three episodes or whatever uh some really good stuff so i'm really enjoying this so far i think uh so far uh, it's on point with uh with season two i mean season two had that huge opening um 
with with the seizure of the hall, if, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but yeah, you know, a, a huge opening with Vader. It's hard to beat that. But man, this season's really starting out great. I can't wait to see where it goes. So, um, what do you think, Mike? Wedge in the rebellion now. It's all good, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious to to see whether or not we're going to see more of Wedge. Yeah. In, I think we will in Rebels before yeah. he moves on to obviously uh, General Dodonna's. Uh, section well, along with those Y wings from uh, from the season premiere, mm-hmm. but uh, but I don't know. I guess time time's gonna tell on that one. Yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens there. But uh, but yeah, I it was a, it was a decent episode. You know, there was some good action, some yeah. nice space stuff. But um, you know what about this episode? I'll say that you just mentioned it, it jogged my yeah. memory. The action. Um, the way this thing was shot, the way it looked, I mean, it looked very beautiful. The, the shots were cinematic, and I've said that before. And just the way it was animated, it, it gave you that Star Wars um, kind of visual movie, the movie visual stuff. If I can't, uh, for lack of a better uh, word, you know what I'm saying? So I just thought it, it looked fantastic in the way they shot, you know, cockpit views and views from outside looking into the cockpit just stuff that you would see in a movie so i thought it definitely was a cinematic type of episode that we've seen from rebels before and clone wars as well so yeah uh, sure. good job good job on that hey we got a couple um notifications we wanted to uh mention mike uh, the first one is from doug and erica russell they say uh hey keep up uh russell war they say keep up the good work and they love the show so thank you doug and eric for uh russell for uh, mentioning us, and I'm glad you're enjoying the show. Uh, like I said earlier, we had some guys commenting on the episode. We mentioned that. Um, his name was Christopher, you mentioned. And we have some new likes that I'll get to yeah. maybe next week. Uh, we also have another um, notification to our Facebook from Bob Willicky. Mike, and you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. Uh, Bob writes in and says, uh, Great podga- podcast once again, guys, and thanks for commenting on my post. I have a few questions about Holocrons of Fate. Do you think the mind probe scene is an Easter egg for Maul, tying him to the formation of the Knights of Ren? I thought of this immediately after watching the scene. Although if the writers plan on killing him off by the end of Rebels, this can create a potential issue. I do think, though, that they are setting up Ezra to be something quite new, having much in common with, with a Kylo Ren, someone who is not a Sith nor a Jedi. Lastly, and I'm going to watch the ending again, but I watched a Rebels YouTube review that said Ezra saw said he saw twin sons in his holocron vision. I didn't hear this. Can you confirm that? Thanks again, and keep up the great work. So, yeah, Ezra does say twin sons, and, yeah, and there's, was, we kind of talked about it a little bit last week. If um, you have, Mike, if, if, if anybody has any doubt, um, yeah. I went back and I checked it just to make sure, because I thought he did, but here okay. it is right here. I see Twin sons. It's not worth it, Ezra. So... There you go. He does say twin sons, so yeah. you can't confirm that. But uh, there we go. Yeah. So, so go yeah. Ahead. So so he does say that. Um, I like this idea that Darth Maul could somehow be tied to the formation of the Knights of Ren. It's mm. definitely a different direction than what we have been discussing. Yeah. Um, because we've been talking about sort of the the um, the conclusion of the storyline between Maul and Kenobi um, as being sort of the ultimate. Uh, uh, end point for this but um but the idea that he could be somehow uh 
somehow connected to the Knights of Ren is a little bit intriguing. So, yeah, yeah. so I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But, uh, but it's definitely possible. I wouldn't. I'm not going to count it out. You know. Um, yeah. That seems like his style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, you know, with the with the Mandalorians and all that sort of thing. So who knows? Yeah, it, you know, obviously we saw last episode him using something that uh, we've a technique that we saw, yeah. you know, Kylo Ren use. And where did Kylo learn that? Did he learn that from Snoke, or did he learn that from somebody else, or being a part of this Knights of Ren uh, at the introduction? And uh, this is, I guess, it be, can be kind of considered spoilerish um so tune out for a second um we do i we're i think we're pretty sure that we're going to get the knights of ren in episode eight in some form or another from what i've kind of deducted from looking at certain things so uh, you know we're going to go there i think with episode eight we're seeing the knights of ren and possibly how they were created i don't know or uh I, more, more than it's hard to think, man. I don't know. I, I think we're going to see them in, in episode eight and how they were formed or what they're doing now or whatever it is. So, um, that is a definite, like you said, you can't with this universe now and the way the story group works and how they intertwine these stories now, it's like you don't know. Like they bring in Saw Guerrera to Rogue One. I mean, it's perfectly fathomable that you can have. Maul and some maybe he it could be just that he's referenced in episode eight you know as far as somehow starting out the knights of ren or something like that i don't know but it's it's definitely one of those things like you said mike that you can't count it out so you never know we'll see what happens no huh? for sure yeah it, it's it's definitely possible so yeah definitely. time will tell on that one yeah so with that um we'll get into what's coming next time on star wars rebels it is entitled Hera's heroes Hera's Reply, uh, Rebel supply mission to Ryloth becomes personal when she and the ghost crew brave overwhelming Imperial forces to recover a memento from her ancestral home. Check this out. We are running out of room. We're coming in from the north. There's no time for you to land. We're not landing. Head south. Hera, there is no time. Just turn around. We'll take care of the Empire. Is she serious? My daughter is always serious. So, Mike, we're getting uh, champs coming back. And if you've seen, uh, if you've gone to rebelspodcast.com, you'll see there's a new clip out. And we're going to get... Uh, Thrawn is back in this episode as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing him again. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that clip that they released earlier today mm-hmm. was uh, was was pretty great. So. It's pretty intense. Yeah, I can't yeah, wait for that I scene. Think, I think it's yeah. going to be a good episode. For sure, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, that's going to do it for this week, though, Mike. Yeah, that's it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can stay up to date, as Matt just mentioned, by heading to Rebels Podcast. Dot com where Tim does a great job of keeping you guys up to date with everything you know you need to know about Star Wars Rebels. Uh, absolutely anything you could ever want to know about Star Wars Rebels gets reported on at some point over at rebelspodcast.com. So um, it's a great resource for, for Rebels fans. Um, 
You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rebelspodcast, as well as on Twitter at rebelspodcast. You can follow me on Twitter at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. And you can follow Matt at the crankster. That's crankster with a K. Yes, thank um, you. <clears throat> we are also a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Uh, you can head to thunderquack.com to I, I, I check out all the other podcasts in the network. We got... Um, Star Wars The Saga Continues, which Tim and Kyle do that I think most of our listeners would really enjoy. Um, we've also got the official Thunderquack store set up. Uh, all you have to do is go to store.thunderquack.com and, uh, and you can purchase some, uh, some Thunderquack podcast merch. So there's, uh, there's Rebels t-shirts, there's a Star Wars The Saga Continues t-shirt, there are um, Quiver t-shirts, Talking Time Lords, um, and double X files. So all that stuff is now available and not just shirts. I, uh, I uh, coffee mugs, like travel mugs, iPhone cases, like all sorts of phone cases. Whoa, um, yeah. yeah, like all sorts of merch is available over there, um, through Redbubble. So just head to store.thunderquack.com. It'll redirect you to the Redbubble store, but that's the easiest way to get there. So I, uh, so do that. Um, every, every penny of profit that we get, uh, from the, the merchandise goes back into the podcast. So it's a, it's a huge support, um, to help us get, uh, you know, get new equipment and, uh, and, and pay for things. Um, of course, if you want to support us, another way you can do that by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack, where you can, uh, you can chip in and, uh, you get some special rewards but uh, but mostly, you know, it just helps us cover the costs of, of, you know, doing business as a podcast. It's not cheap, especially, you know, we're part of the network and uh, we got a lot of podcasts in the network. So, um, you know, it adds up. It does add up. And, you know, domain fees, host, website hosting, podcast hosting, it can tend to, to, to sort of build up over a while. So, um so we're very grateful to all of our supporters over there at patreon.com slash thunderquack. Um, like I said, if you go there and you pledge there, you can get some rewards as well. And if you've been to patreon.com slash thunderquack and you like sort of looked at it and you went, ah, oh, there's not anything really here for me that I'm interested in. Um, don't stop there. Let us know. Like shoot me a message on Twitter or, or shoot us a message on Facebook or whatever and let us know, like, give us your feedback because that is not like in stone. It's an evolving uh, uh, setup over there. So we can we can add new um, new reward tiers. We can adjust reward tiers uh, based on user feedback. So um, if uh, if people have uh, something that they would like to 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 see through our our Patreon campaign. Um, something rebel specific, something specifically with Matt and I, then let us know, and uh, and we'll be happy to take that under advisement and uh, and and possibly add that into the Patreon campaign. More than likely to do it, because um, we're always looking for new ideas to add value to to our Patreon campaign for those of uh, uh, those supporters who do um, um, pledge over there. So, I mm-hmm. uh, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, And we will be back next week for the episode Hera's Heroes. See you guys next week.